Hey guys, welcome into Get the Shift. This is a podcast where we delve into science topics and education topics and sometimes things that are just in between. Take a ride with me on this journey and hopefully by the end you get the shift. Alright Phil, welcome into Get the Shift. Uh, tell everybody that's listening a little bit about yourself and, and what you're doing. Uh, I'm Philip Boston. I'm a sixth grade social studies teacher at McCook Junior High in the state of Nebraska. Um, went to UNL. Uh, UNL, I majored in secondary education for the social sciences. Uh, met uh, my principal, Chad Lyons, out at the UNL job fair. Uh, applied out here in McCook, got interviewed. Next day, got called. That's how I ended up out here, which is kind of you know, kind of weird being from northeast Nebraska all the way to southwest Nebraska for your first job. Yeah, cool, for sure. Yeah, I bet it was definitely a little bit of a culture change, or do you think it was pretty similar to um, kind of where we grew up since we went to school together in, in, in the small school in northeast Nebraska? Uh, to be honest, it's the same. I mean, it's just a bigger school out here, which is fine, but I mean, a lot of it's the same, I'll be honest. You know, like, sports are a big deal, just like it was for us. I mean, extracurriculars are a big deal and uh, working in the junior high is a little bit different than our time in junior high and just being in seventh eighth grade here at sixth seventh eighth grade as a middle school cool um so you know me, you and i we both graduated in a small class 22 kids so we're used to that small setting and i guess before we get into my main topics i guess i, I just want to pick your brain a little bit what do you what did you think as far as from the teacher's perspective stepping into a bigger school because you know i'm i'm a big fan of the small school setting and all that stuff and and you've been more into the big schools um, than i have what do you notice i guess is a big difference maybe some pros and cons to the big school setting versus a small school setting uh some of the stuff that i've also noticed is like uh yeah like advanced or honors courses okay you know stuff like that which i mean to where you know classes are a little bit more of a challenge and it's you know you go with kids that are you know can want to challenge in school i mean that's one of the bigger differences i mean compared to small school and bigger schools you have the more resources and you know you always get the the feel of well with bigger school you're you know you're just another student there's so many students and i do not agree with that idea i mean this year i have 91 sixth graders and last year i had 121 yeah. And to be honest, I get to know my students. I like to know them. Oh, last year we had some really great students, and this year as I'm getting to know them, we have some really great students here as well. And I think it's really cool that I get to meet so many different kids, so many different backgrounds, so many different stories. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for comparison, our entire high school is 104 students, uh, as the last time that I checked where I teach at Viber Hurley. So um, it's definitely a difference, but I'm glad that you pointed it out because I think there's a misconception out there that you don't necessarily get to connect with your students on a deeper level at a big school as opposed to a small school. But, you know, like you said, you, you do get that. Um, and then another question I had for you just for your background is, so what kind of drew you into education? Was that initially your plan? You know, what, what drew you to that or why did you change your mind if you, that wasn't your original kind of goal? So originally at UNL, I wanted to go into meteorology. I mean, graduating high school my senior year, I mean, I only applied to one college. That was UNL. And that was because meteorology was my top idea. I really enjoyed it. I enjoy it. I mean, it's awesome. It's weather. It's always changing. I mean, here in Nebraska, you have the saying, you know, 
going the weather waste five minutes. That's something I really think is cool. And so at UNL freshman year, my meteorology course went really well. I think it was like a B plus, A minus. But as I was looking toward the future, it was going to be a lot of math classes. And that was not the best thing in the world for me. Yeah. Because our high school math classes are a lot different than the way they did a lot of math in college. It felt like in high school, we spent a lot of time on a subject, a lot on a topic. In college, it was here it is, how you do it once. Oh, we're moving on, by the way. And I just was like, what? And it was just like that for the entire semester. And so I was barely floating with a bunch of floaties and an inflatable tube. I was barely floating. I won't lie. It kicked my butt. And so I got to thinking of, well, I don't know what I kind of want to do. So I kind of went undeclared for a little bit. And I took just a bunch of my gen ed courses because I'm like, let's see what's out there. And in my gen ed courses, I took a history of World War II, which was one of my all-time favorite classes at UNL, just because the professor was really great. I took that actually with my roommate at the time. And it was just a bunch of fun. Like, he, the guy just showed a passion for this topic, and it's like, that's awesome. And I got to think in high school, I'm like, I did enjoy social studies classes. I mean, we had uh, Mr. McAvoy. I was not with, what was it? Schultz. Schultz, yeah. I didn't get to take anything with him, which sounds like was... A good thing. <laughs> and we had uh, Mr. U, Mr. Aldrich. And he, I enjoyed being in those classes, the classes I've always enjoyed. And then I was also thinking, like, I enjoyed hanging out and being a part of clubs with some of the teachers, you know, like being at FFA with Mrs. Graham. Awesome. Yep. I loved FFA because of Mrs. Graham. And then you have, you know, like, band with uh, Mr. B. Yep. You could tell he cared. Mrs. Yep. Graham cared in those aspects. And I was just like, I enjoyed those things and I kind of wanted to do those things. And so at UNL, I officially switched majors over to uh, education. Then I got a job with the Husker summer camps there, so I got to work with kids. That's where I figured out I really enjoyed the middle school age because I got to work with a bunch of awesome kids with this awesome job during the summer. So it was basically like PE class all summer. I was like, well, I enjoy PE. Finding out that I had a passion for middle school, you know, working with middle school kids, I started looking at some of the practicums and stuff at UNL and I was actually able to student teach in a middle school in Lincoln and I won't lie I think I got lucky that I worked with a really good school with uh, Lux Middle School in Lincoln and I worked with a really good teacher uh, Brad Irvine who was awesome as a mentor and a first student teacher I learned a lot with him I learned a lot from my team at uh, Lux Middle School and then like I said I found myself out here in southwest Nebraska where I'm still in my middle school setting which I really enjoy and I get to work with great kids and I work with great staff at the middle school here yeah. oh my goodness they are awesome yeah I mean you know I think it helps when you go through that process I think we were lucky at Humphrey we had some really good passionate teachers through our education and I think you know even myself going into education because that wasn't my initial plan either but I just felt you know that connection just from being in band and being in speech and and being in our athletics and other things that we were involved in we we were definitely surrounded with a good core group of teachers uh that I'm proud to still call my teachers as well and and I agree with you too I think going through the educational process and having a student teacher that really supports you uh is definitely beneficial too because I had a really really excellent excellent student teacher or uh advisor when I went through student teaching at Windside, Paul Sock. And I think that just 
makes the transition that much easier, yeah. you know, so cool. So um, getting a little bit of background on you. So now I want to transition into our, our kind of our main two topics for this show today. And the first one is uh, all about PLCs. Um, for those that don't know what that means, that is a professional learning community, correct? Yes. Okay. So you are at a PLC school. I am not, um, but I've heard about it. And so today I just kind of want to go through a couple questions and, you know, help the listeners learn more about what it is. And then for me personally, just to learn a little bit more as well. So my first question for you. So what is a PLC? What experiences do you have with it? And kind of what training have you done? So with PLC, like you said, it's a professional learning community. Um, my experience with it was like at UNL with my social studies, like secondary education classes. So like all the other people who went into the secondary education of social studies, we were kind of put into PLCs as groups, like throughout the semesters. You know, you get put into various PLCs. And so the idea behind the PLC is to kind of work collaboratively, collaboratively, holy crap, I can't speak, collaboratively, I think that's how you say it, with other people. And, you know, people who are the kind of a similar thinking as you as you're looking at a background to question a student from the same aspect. And so during my time at UNL, like I said, I worked with social studies uh, teachers who well, soon to be at the time. And we got to work collaboratively on creating lesson plans and the idea being, well, you're going to teach it one way. I'm going to teach it a different way. So let's work together and create probably what the best lesson plan is for our students. Because in bigger schools like a Lux Middle School, there were three sections of like eighth grade social studies when I was there. And so you got to teach the same things across the board because if you don't, when these kids move on into high school, guess what? You have kids that didn't learn this in one section, but they learned it in two. Those kids could potentially fall behind, which is not a good thing. And so as your social studies team works together, you're creating a curriculum that works across all other classes. The idea of you're teaching the same thing, so nothing gets missed. Uh, you're also kind of looking at data within PLCs to where uh, all three eighth grade teachers could pull their tests and be like, well, what did our students not learn across the board? And if you notice, well, apparently we didn't really teach this idea. Well, in the next years or in that year, you could either like reteach that concept, that idea as they move forward, or next year, just make sure it's something you emphasize or hit. Because when stuff gets missed, it's not good. And that's kind of the idea behind it. Um, here at McCook, I kind of been part of two PLCs. There's our social studies, social studies team PLC. So I work with the seventh grade social studies teacher and eighth grade social studies teacher. And for that, we're kind of look at what skills do they need to be successful in the next year. And so within sixth grade, we've kind of come up with our essential learning ideas. And so by the time they move on from sixth grade, they're going to have these ideas covered. They're going to know how to do these things, and if they know how to do these things, they're going to be successful in seventh grade. And seventh grade's looking, and they're like, well, if they come into class with those ideas, and I can focus on these concepts, these ideas, these skills, that'll make them successful for eighth grade. And so you're kind of working above and below by figuring out what do they need to know from you so that they come into my classroom. I know what they know. I don't have to reteach it. I can maybe hit on those points a little bit, but they should already know it. Okay, so it allows you to develop a structured kind of goal throughout your middle school so that you, everybody can kind of work together to progress these kids, address any issues where you were lagging behind, things like that. Yeah, and 
get to work with like the fifth grade teacher and the fifth grade social studies teacher. And so I can focus on like, well, in elementary, since they're part of central elementary here in McCook, and you know, figure out what they learned there. I focus on what I need to. And then I'm also kind of part of the sixth grade PLC team, I would say. Okay. Where all of us teachers for sixth grade uh, here in McCook, we have an English teacher, a reading teacher, science, math, and then me as social studies. So there are five of us on this team. And we work together to where we're looking at students we're looking at ways for interventions of students who are kind of falling behind. Maybe they're missing concepts in some classes. Maybe they're not quite getting it in math. And so we're coming up with ways for us to help them in these other classes. We have parent meetings as a sixth grade team. So we can figure out what's the best way to help these students succeed. And so with that, one thing we have here at McCook is called an end time intervention enrichment time to where in this like 20 to 30 minutes, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, the students have the opportunity to go work with another sixth grade teacher to improve on a skill on something maybe they, they missed, something they're not getting, just to help them to where they're not falling behind. We have these interventions in place. Okay, cool. So it's kind of like, you know, at Viberg, we operate on a four-day school week, and, you know, we have what we call our Friday school for three hours to address those. Um, needs that kids may have too so it's kind of that similar format um, so in terms of your PLC so I'm sure that this you know working with the other grade levels and, and developing a plan has probably been beneficial for you especially with you know last school year closing for a while um, have you guys met and kind of discussed in your PLCs you know the shortcomings that you may have faced through getting school cut short and going online learning last you know, last spring, and have you made a changes to your curriculum to make up for that? And so, I mean, for us, we were out of school since March. So, you got to figure that March, April, May, the three months of the school year, plus you tack on June, July, half of August. You're talking about six, five to six months. These kids were out of school, and so, I mean, any teacher would know you're going to have gaps. Yeah. I mean. You're going to have more than just that summer drop-off that usually that does occur. You're basically doubling. And so we as a team have talked about uh, with us, like, we're going to have to hit some of our early points as bigger emphasis because they didn't get those key skills. So they may have touched on it before the school year ended, and so it's going to be kind of hard to, you know, build upon where they were at the end of the school year, like, normally. Yep. And so with the fifth-grade teachers, we've – they have kind of told us this is where we did not cover. So we have that idea of, okay, they didn't cover these two topics, they didn't cover these skills or whatever else. And so we kind of had an idea of what they were missing. And so we kind of, some teachers, like within English, they're kind of taking it a little bit slower with what they're doing with English in terms of writing. Because they didn't, weren't able to do all their writing that, from what I was told. Yeah. Um, and then, like, a, like with seventh grade, I just said I wasn't able to cover these topics, this uh, key skills and stuff like that as we move forward with them. And that way they're just aware because, I mean, like I said, every any teacher will tell you there's going to be some type of gap. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So, you know, going along with these PLCs, um, and we can kind of tie these two questions together, but in your mind, what's the benefit of having a PLC in your school district? And then how does that benefit the kids as well? So benefiting me is the fact I work with other teachers. It's not the idea of, 
I'm the sixth grade social teacher. I'm going to be in my room doing my thing. And what else, what happens else out there does not really matter. And so the idea is to kind of break out of that because sometimes teachers do that. Like in a small school, if you're the only teacher there, some do tend to be, well, I'm the only one here. I'm just going to kind of do my thing. You don't really get to work with other teachers, which I think is a huge No, I know what you mean, though. It, it's it's a disadvantage of sorts. Yeah, that's the word I was thinking about. I thought there was like a better word for it. Yeah. I can't think of it. <laughs> and so, like, I mean, I get to work with other teachers. I mean, I have other other eyes kind of looking at lessons plans, helping me kind of clarify stuff. Because, I mean, I am a new teacher. I'm, this is my third year of teaching. And, like, I don't know everything. Which, honestly, if I did know everything, I would call myself a liar yeah for sure there are teachers in this business that have been teaching you know 20 30 maybe 40 plus years and guess what i can tell you they probably don't know everything yeah working with other teachers like on my team there's a doc adams who has been phenomenal in helping me because she has been teaching for a while she knows what she's doing the my seventh grade social studies teacher in the school tom lentz he had taught sixth grade social studies a while before me and so I talk with him about what he's done in the past, and then I have him look at some of my stuff, just to get a set of their eyes looking at some of my data, you know, like what kids are missing on tests, what I'm doing in the classroom, because I can, I am always looking for an extra set of eyes to be like, hey, what about this idea? Did you think about this? Yeah. I, this way. So I can kind of learn, oh, I can improve upon this. I like what you're doing here. And I'm like, I kind of want to implement that. Maybe I go, I sort of get what you're doing there but I just don't think it works for me because you have to do what works for you in the end yeah so you still get your personalization of of your curriculum but everybody's kind of at least having the same or similar goals I mean it's working collaboratively yeah which is the goal right which is the goal in education is to be collaborative with other people in your field or in your school yeah, because, I mean, you want every teacher to work together because, I mean, the whole idea is to work together to be at the best benefit of students. Yeah. That's the whole idea. I want to do what's best for my students, and if there's another way to do something, a better way to do something, I'm willing to hear it because I would like to know. If there's something I could do better, please tell me. Yeah. Have you have you noticed, you know, maybe you have or haven't, like some of the older teachers that are set in their ways, have you, have you noticed if – some of those veteran teachers have been a little bit more resistant to going into the PLC or has there been a mix? Have you noticed anything like that? I'm going to tell you that's a fucking trap question for me. (laughs) Just because. I mean, I'll tell, I'll be, I'll be honest. I'll I'll be open and honest. I mean, I think that when, you know, even at Viberg with a small school that we have, there's definitely people on staff that, are very much more resistant to trying new things and doing different things, new ways, new ideas, because, you know, they, they don't want to venture outside of the norm that they're used to. And I think maybe, and maybe this is a different mentality, but I think that there is um, this mentality uh, that, I don't know, maybe sometimes the younger teachers are a little bit more proactive and, and uh, innovative, you know, and I think sometimes the veteran teachers don't want to do that because it's a little bit more work and they're set in their ways. Not, you know, they might still be a great, phenomenal teacher, yeah. but I've noticed that too. I, yeah. 
and that's kind of the. I mean, I'm gonna guess you're gonna see that in every school. I mean, I would say yes. That's I do see that here in McCook. I can tell you, not everyone is bought in on the system, even though that's the idea is you know buy in. It, that's something that's been talked about for a while. Is that we get told the teachers have bought in, but when you're working at PLCs, I can tell you not everyone has. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you get the idea of you know if you've been teaching for 20, 30 plus years. I mean, if it's working for 20, 30 plus years. Why change? Yeah, right. Stop broken, don't fix it. Yep. That idea. I would agree with that. And you're going to get that. And there are some teachers where they don't quite see the benefits of PLCs because of the idea being a PLC would work really well in a school where there were other sixth grade social studies teachers, other seventh grade social studies teachers, and other eighth grade social studies teachers because when we compare data, I'm comparing it to other sixth graders in the social studies class and how maybe someone else is teaching it and stuff like that. Yeah. Where if I compare like that to some seventh grade stuff, well, it's like you aren't teaching the same subject, you aren't with the same students, so you're, or the same level, and it's just like we're not really comparing the right data sometimes. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So yeah, so so you think the PLC is maybe a little bit more beneficial in a district where you have multiple sections of the same grade level like you have multiples like you have i want to say larger school district or multiple people on staff like you have a fifth grade or sixth grade social studies teacher a seventh grade social studies teacher you know do you think it's more beneficial there as opposed to like where i'm at where there's one social studies teacher there's one science teacher there's one math teacher uh, well, within your ask, okay, within a bigger school, yet yeah, I do think PLCs are really great in big schools, and it was a part of, you know, when I was student teaching at Lux Middle School, they had them, and like, so I, like I said, when I worked with some of the other 8th grade uh, teachers during that time, we did look at data for 8th grade students, like, about the 8th grade students in Section A, B, and C, and we were looking at data, what was being hit, what was not, what were students learning, when were they learning it, well, for the most part, it's not when they learn it, it's that they're going to learn it. Yeah. So, like, for my section, for A, we did a section on immigration, like, four chapters earlier than one of the other sections. And that was because it was put up there because of the fact that students were going on their trip to New York City and they are going to visit Ellis Island. And so we put it right before that because it's like, well, if we teach them about it and that the students yeah. that are going to go see it... It'll be more meaningful, like, too, right? And so it's just that type of stuff. And then, like, for your for a smaller school, what I think would work really well is, like, working with other teachers within your district. You yeah. know, like the other science teachers. Since you're the only science teacher within your building, I mean, if you're talking with other science teachers across your district or within your area, you could potentially still do a PLC where, you know, maybe you meet once or twice a semester or a quarter, depending on what you have available, and you could have the ability to look at data look at curriculum, look at lessons and be like, what could we, what could I do better? Uh, what are you doing? How are you teaching this stuff? What are you teaching and stuff like that? I think it would still be beneficial, but like I said, I think it works very much more effectively when it's with people that are kind of the same grade and the same subject. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Have you noticed though, does a PLC, um, help just generate a good uh school culture i guess is what i'm looking for have you like you know in my situation where if we did a plc between all of the teachers in the high school would that be beneficial in that sense because you could work at least on a 
you know, expectations that you need and the school culture and, and kind of dictating the school culture for that year? I believe if PLC could do that, yeah. I mean, you're going to be talking with other teachers, and, like, one of the things here in our school is when it comes to, like, PLCs and stuff like that, it's not majority rule. It is a consensus. And so as a teacher, as a teacher's group, as our building, as our school culture, I mean, we're working as a team to do what's best for the students. And so one of those things we do is, like we said, we come to a consensus. We do not just go with majority rule. Just because if a vote's 5-4, you're going to have teachers who are not on board. Yeah, for sure. And the idea is to get everyone on board so that way we're doing what's best for the students. Cool. And, and so with that PLC then, how do you think that benefits the kids? Oh, so with the kids, I mean, I mean, teacher ethic, what is it? Teacher collaboration, you know, teacher, I think, what is it? Efficacy, I think is the word I'm looking for. Yep. I mean, that idea is, I mean, every teacher's working together. That's the best thing that's for the students. And so, I'm just train of thought. <laughs> It, it gives the kids. It gives kids consistency. Yeah, you have you have some consistency. I mean, as a sixth grade PLC, I mean, we have consistency across our classroom. That it doesn't matter what sixth grade classroom you're in, you can expect about the same things. Yeah, yeah that idea. And I mean, one of the other things is like, you're, and I say we talk about looking forward, looking backward. But what are kids coming into my classroom knowing, and what are they going to be knowing when they leave, so they're better prepared for the next grade level. Cool. Because I mean, one of the teachers kind of said is like, here in the middle school, we have the ability to uh, work on the students for the sixth and seventh grade year to work on them, and then eighth grade year we fine tune them for high school to where they are ready for those next four years. Yeah, cool. And that's you know I like that idea because it seems like you know every year when I get freshmen, it, it's there's always a a struggle with skill sets that prepare them for high school. So, you know, that's where I think the PLC would be beneficial. So, basically, then, to, to wrap up the PLC side of things, would you recommend a school adopting a PLC? Like, if you were if you were going to recommend to a, a school board or a superintendent about a PLC, would you recommend it even if it's a small school? I would. I mean, the idea is to get teachers to work collaboratively. And so you got to do what's for the students, and you, I think any school could benefit. Cool. I hope you learned a little something along the way, and as always, I hope you get the shist. Good night. <laughs>